folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 45 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and this is the first episode of 2021. Woo-hoo. How about that? Um, of course, it, uh, of course when, I re- when I'm recording this, it doesn't feel like 2021 yet because it actually isn't. Um, this is the uh, this is the 30th of December, so I'm actually recording this. Um, this is a blast from the past, is what this is for you. So yeah, so I'm I'm talking to you in the future from uh, from the past. <laughs> I am here with my coffee. It is uh, it is early in the morning, and the house is more or less quiet. So I'm. Uh, I'm just going to talk to you for a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward for, to 2021, um, and and probably not for uh, not so much because I'm trying to put 2020 to bed. Um, I, I realize 2020 hasn't been the year that most of us wanted, but um, as I look back on 2020, the, the, a lot of really good things have happened in 2020. Um, uh, for for us, I mean, it, we haven't gotten rich. Still waiting for that, by the way. Um, but um, we've had some really wonderful relationships blossom in 2020. Um, I just I just a number of really good things have happened. We've had, you know, we all had COVID, and uh, we had to tear up our backyard and rebuild our septic system, which we weren't looking forward to, and we had to spend a lot of money to do that, and. Um, I've had some employment challenges this year, um, which I won't get into, um, that look to continue into 2021. But but overall, it's been a it's been a good year. Um, I think some really good things have happened. So anyway, um, last week uh, we talked about some uh, some spiritual habits that um, that I think we can work on. Um, developing in 2021, I want to I want to continue kind of along that same line uh, today. But I want to talk about some relationship habits that I think we can work on developing. And and honestly, a lot of these things are as useful f- to me to hear as I hope they will be to you. Um, but I mean, l- let's face it we all want we all want better relationships, right? Um, we want. We want closeness and, and intimacy and love and peace and, you know, w- with all of our significant relationships. And I'm, I'm a, of the conviction that as followers of Jesus, we ought to have the best relationships in the world, right? Um, we, we, just, we just ought to have the best relationships of anybody, uh, and because of the way that I view the kingdom of God, one of the one of the big draws to God's way of living is the way we relate to to one another. You're going to have better relationships as a as a follower of Jesus. You just are. Um, Christians should be the most attractive people on earth. Um, that we we talked about attractiveness, you know, when we did our little series on church history uh, back this. Back in 2020, right? Um, 
but we should be the most attractive people on earth. And a big part of that attractiveness is the way we relate to, to one another. God's family is supposed to be characterized by love and grace and kindness and support and encouragement, um, goodness, right? And I think, I think if people just saw us relating to one another the way we should in the kingdom, man, I think everybody would want some of that. However, too often Christians are not perceived that way. We are perceived as angry and judgmental and harsh. Um, we've, we've got that reputation in the Christian world. And if you don't see that, you've, you've probably been living under a rock, right? <clears throat> Christians are not held in high regard. And I'll say boldly, a chunk of that is deserved, right? Um, we have not been light and love and leaven and salt in the world the way God intends us to be. Um, we've, not, we've not done that as well as we should. Um, and anger and judgmentalism and harshness are certainly reflective of an internal reality, right? If you're that way, there's some things in, inside that need redeemed and regenerated. But those are also relationship characteristics, right? Um, if, if, you're, if you approach relationships with the same anger and harshness and judgmentalism, like you're not going to have good relationships and people are going to see you coming and go the other way, right? So, so most of us, myself included, have some work to do. And so I want to talk about some habits that I think we can begin to cultivate in 2020 um, with, with the ever-present help of the Holy Spirit, of course, uh, to improve um, the quality of our relationships. And so there's a few that I want to, that I want to highlight. Um, and, and the first involves time and attention, okay? So in general, we, we give our attention to that which we value. And most of us, I think, would say that we value the important relationships in our lives. And yet, a lot of our relationships are undernourished. And at a base level, they're undernourished, I think, because, and I'm looking at myself for this, right, as much as anybody. Um, they're undernourished because of a lack of attention. Now, we've all got a lot of things pressing on our time, right? Um, maybe, maybe more so today than, than at any other time in our history. We are busy and, and some people wave that as a badge of honor. You know, we, we take pride in how busy we are, right? And so we, we've got some, like, it's hard to do relationships with all those other time pressures. It's hard to, it's hard to carve, you know, we talk about carving out time. As though, as though, you know, I have to, I have to work to have good relationships. Well, yeah, we we've got some built-in challenges. That's my point. But I want to encourage you to 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 make this the year that you 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 really assess. Okay, what's important to you? And if your relations are important, relationships are important, and most of us say they are. Well, if they're important. Give them the, intention, the attention that they need. And for most of us, 
those the, the, the most significant relationships we have, we're probably talking about our spouse, uh, our parents, our children, our siblings, and our, our closest um, friends or, or, or brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a, there's a, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I don't need 200 really, really close friends, right? In fact, I don't know how in the world I'd ever manage 200 really, really, really close friends. But I have about a dozen or so, including my family, that, are, that I'm really close to, and I cherish them. And I can't imagine going through a day or a week without kind of interacting with all of them at, at some level. So, though, you know, we're talking about your, your primary relationships, not your acquaintances. And, and let me just say, too, all of us have, have had or maybe currently have people in our lives that are, that are toxic, right? People who, who are just not healthy people, and they, they make us a little unhealthy when we're around them. I, I want to say, to the extent that it's possible, dis- try to distance yourself from some of that. Um, this year, um, yes, we're we're to be light and salt and love. We're to love everybody, but there are some relationships that we're never going to change. Those people, we are never going to love them into into changing. I don't think some people, some people we can, but be aware of of. Um, of those people, and you know, you know who they are. If you've got some people like that in your life that are just toxic, and try to try to put a little distance for for your own self care, right? Put a little distance between you and them. If they're, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I hope I'm not, I'm not talking about just anybody you don't like, just don't have anything to do with. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are genuinely toxic in your life. And that, that term gets overblown, I think, today. So I, I want to be careful how I nuance all that. Um, but for the important relationships in your life, um, you know, spouse, parents, children, siblings, closest friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, those are your primary relationships. So I want to encourage you to just spend more time with those people in 2021. If, if they're important Make time for them. Carve it out if you have to, and and guard that time with them jealously. Um, I, I've never heard anybody on their deathbed saying, "I wish I wouldn't have spent more time with the people I love." You know what? What people? I read a I read a something last year. I don't even remember where it came from, but they 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 talk to people on their deathbed, and and the the things people regret on their deathbed are. Things like letting other people dictate what they do with their time, um, being being too um, putting too much effort on on work and not as much on relationships. Right, those are the things that that bug us at the end of our lives. Looking back, it's not the amount of time we spend with the people that we love. So, try to give more attention to the people that you really love. Now. A part of that may be stripping out some of the things that are robbing you of that attention. Um, you know, if you're a workaholic, you probably need to dial that back a little bit. Um, the internet, your phone, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, even good old-fashioned television, they're, you know, most of us, myself included, 
spend way too much time on on those kinds of things. And and let's face it, our our devices consume a ton of our attention each day. My iPhone, like yours does too, if you have an iPhone, probably reminds you every week as it does me exactly how much time every day I've wasted. And it usually tells me that on Sunday morning, right when I'm when I'm right before church, which is just wonderful <laughs> in a not so wonderful kind of way. And every week I am ashamed at how much time I give that stupid little electronic gizmo. Um, the one I, I'm, I'm thinking here right now, the, the, the one you're probably listening to this podcast on. To, you know, So if this podcast is consuming too much of your time and you can't have good relationships because of this, I don't want to be that. So can this if you have to. Um, but, but really, I'm ashamed every week of how much time I waste on things like that. And I, and I catch myself trying to have a conversation with someone and thinking at the same time about the things I need to check on my phone. And, and I have to fight the urge when I'm with people to pull it out and, and check things in the midst of the conversation. So I understand what, what we're all facing here. And there are there are a whole host of reasons to trim down our screen time, but, but the best reason I know of is, is because it is robbing us of our relationships. So, so try to build the habit of putting your phone on do not disturb whenever you're in a conversation with one of the significant people in your life. You know, I've seen families, you probably have too, I, I, we go out to dinner and I, and I look over and I see a family sitting at a table. They're, they've gone out to dinner together. It's mom and dad and the kids, and every single one of them is sitting there looking at their phones. They're not engaging each other. And I think, how sad. Um, so, you know, put your do not disturb thing on when you're, when you're in a conversation with one of the people who are significant or important to you. Uh, be with the people you're with, right? Um, if you're, if you're on, in a restaurant or a living room or, and, you need, and you tend to be distracted by the TV that's up on the wall, and you know the TVs are up on the wall even in restaurants these days, um, turn it off if you can, or, or sit with your back to it, right? But be with the people you're with. I had a conversation. So I'm going to tell you a little story of, of two, two ministers that I have known. And um, I'm, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here, but I'm, I am going to, I'm going to elevate one of them. I had a conversation with a minister one time a couple years ago at a, at a very large church. It was right after the sermon, right after services were done. And the whole time I was talking to him, he stood there and his eyes were roaming back and forth all around the auditorium looking at other people. And I just got the distinct impression that he couldn't wait for me to finish up so he could get on to something more important. I, I, I did not feel like I had his attention at all. And maybe there were more important people than me that day for him. But I, but I, did, not, I, I did not feel like I was important at all. You know what? Speaking of do not disturb, I have not uh, done that on my, uh, on my phone, which I usually do. There. Now, no one's going to bother us while we're talking. Um, so, so I had this conversation with this, with this guy, and, and he was, he's a good man. He's a good man. Um, 
But I, I just, I felt like he didn't care about a thing I had to say, which of course makes you feel like he didn't care about me. And I've had conversations like that with other people, and I've probably been that kind of person too to other people. But then there was a guy named Sperry Hogue, who I, he was the guy who brought me to Christ when I was young in my 20s. And when I was with him, he made me feel like I was the only person on earth. I never, ever felt like he was in a hurry to be somewhere else or that I was an intrusion or that he had anything more important to do with his day than to talk with me. And, and, and it's, just, it's just true, folks. The greatest gift you can give is to just be with the person that you're with fully and completely. Let them know that they've got your full undivided attention. So in 2021, the first habit to try to cultivate is to give your significant relationships the gift of your time and attention. Okay, number two. When you're, when you're giving your, your attention to your significant relationships, m- make sure that you're building intimacy. Like, make sure that you're, you're working on relationships. Like, that, that you're, and I don't want to say working, like this is, a, this is hard. Um, make, sure you're, make, sure you're, make sure you're not just getting together to grouse with each other or complain or, or talk about politics or or sports, or, you know, all those things are fine, and they can, they're, they're all, they can all be part of a healthy relationship. But make sure, make sure your relationships go deeper than that. Build some intimacy. In other words, don't, again, don't solve problems. Don't just discuss intellectual issues. Share your heart and soul, your feelings, your emotions with each other. Intimacy doesn't happen just because you spend time together. Intimacy comes through mutual self-disclosure. I'm going to say that again. I've said that before. I'm going to say it again. Intimacy comes through mutual self-disclosure. If if you want to be, if you want to have a more a, a closer, more intimate relationship with anybody, you got to open yourself up a little bit. And so do they, right? Uh, to know and to be known. That's that. Those are real relationships, and that's that's intimacy. Okay? Now, you can't control the other person, right? And you shouldn't try to. But for you, learn to self-disclose a little more. Let yourself be known. Share your life with each other. Quit hiding from the people closest to you. Be open. Be vulnerable. Let them know what's in your heart. Let them know what your fears are. Let them know what excites you, um, let them know what you love. Let them know what you what you what you hate. We we usually are pretty good at letting people know what we hate, right? Um, we're we're good at complaining, but but be real, and invite them to be to be real and open and and um, disclosing with you. So how do you start doing that? How do you make that a habit if you've never done that? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways you can build intimacy, right? But I'm going to give you one. And this is not the only. This is not the only way. Don't look. At, don't look at this as a as a an ironclad rule. We got to do this, and we got to be rigid about it. And to, no, 
This is just a, it, it's a tool to get you where you need to go relationally. Okay. And you can tweak this and you can, you can, you know, whatever you need to do. But first thing, when you get together with one of these significant people in your life, spend a few minutes and check in with each other. And not with a what's new kind of question, but try to aim at feelings. How are you feeling today? Um, with, with what's truest and most immediately real about your life. Okay, So to get you started in that, if you've never done this, um, I'm gonna, uh, this, is a little, this is just a little tool, right? Um, try using the acronym SACHET, S-A-S-H-E-T, okay? Um, SACHET, that's an acronym, and it stands, each one of those is an emotion, okay? So sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender, okay? SACHET, sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. So... Each of you has to check in with the other and, and tell them how you're feeling and why. Use, use, that, use that acronym. Well, I'm, you might say, I'm, I'm feeling angry because my boss is piling more work on me than, than, than on my coworkers, right? So you've, just, you've just expressed an emotion. Or I'm feeling a little bit tender and maybe a little bit scared because my mom's sick and I'm afraid it might be COVID. See, that, like none of that's hard, but, but pick an emotion that, that's honest, right? And share that with the other person. Doesn't have to be complicated. Um, let them know how you're feeling. And, and if you're feeling something other than what those six words convey, if you've got an emotion that's not quite covered by any of those, pick a different word, right? You don't have to, you don't, like, this is not a, like, this is not a legal requirement here, okay? And along with that, when the other person is talking, learn how to listen. And I'm talking about active listening here, okay? Because here's what we do. Here's what we do so often. Somebody's, somebody's talking, and immediately, while they're talking, you're in your mind, you're formulating your rebuttal, um, or you're trying to, you're thinking, well, I, I know how to fix that, you know, and you're just waiting for them to take a breath so you can interject, you know, your rebuttal or your solution or whatever, right? Like, we do that all the time. And, and, and if, you've ever, if you've ever seen a talk to a counselor, you know, um, one of the first things um, marriage counselors will do or couples counselors um, is work on communication. And one of, the, one of the very first skills you need is the skill of active listening. If, you're, if your spouse, uh, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your best friend is telling you something on your heart, shut your brain down and listen. Give them your attention. Hear what they're saying. Whether you think it's valid or not doesn't matter. It's valid to them, right? If they're feeling angry, they're feeling angry. And, and you telling them, well, that's a dumb thing or, you know, whatever. Acknowledge the validity of what they're feeling. It doesn't mean they're interpreting things right. But that emotion is real. And it deserves to be respected. So, so shut your brain down. Listen. Listen, 
Um, and one of our challenges, so I'm a guy, and one of our challenges as guys is we tend to be fix-it people. We do this in our marriages. I, I, I do this with my wife, and I've had to learn not to do this. Somebody tells you what's going on in their life and what they're feeling afraid of and, and a problem that they're having or whatever, and we jump into fix-it mode. Um, well, here's what you ought to do. You ought to do this, and then you tell that person this, and, and, you know, and we start giving advice. Your job is not to offer solutions or advice, okay? Your job is to be a friend. Let them know that they've been heard. Let them know they've been understood. Let them know you love them, okay? No one wants to be fixed. No one... No one wants you to wants to share with you something that's, you know, troubling in their life, and have you just try to fix it for them. We none of us want that. You don't want that. I don't want that. If they want advice, they'll ask for it. And if they don't ask for it, don't offer it. And that's easier said than done. I know. But the point of all this is, open up your lives and your heart and your soul to the other person and give them a safe place where they can do the same. And practicing that over time, that is what builds intimacy. Okay? So, number three, learn to live love without agenda. Okay? Live love, be loving without agenda. Okay? And what do I mean by the phrase without agenda? I mean no manipulation or coercion, okay? It is astonishing how much of our relational life involves subtle and sometimes not so subtle attempts to manipulate and coerce and control the other person, to get them to think the way we want them to to think, to get them to act the way we want them to think, to get them to to commit to things that they're not interested in committing to. and here's the thing about all this. Like, we all are prone to do that a little bit. I, I think um, the, 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 the combination of life, of being raised with dysfunctional parents and, and, and living in the midst of a culture that is driven by performance and power and money and status, I think what all that together has produced is kind of a huddled mass of people so deeply and hopelessly encumbered by feelings of inadequacy, that nearly every move we make in life, every action, every conversation, is a desperate attempt to try to extract from others a sense of worth and value in one way or another. And that, that tendency has become reinforced by, by long and habitual practice in most of us to such an extent that you're probably probably are scarcely aware of it, okay? In fact, I, I suspect most people would be aghast to learn that it exists in them at all. But we're all a little like that, and some of us are a lot like that. Now, in contrast to that, I invite you to look at Jesus. Jesus was the freest person who ever walked on earth. He walked through this world as a, as a child of the Creator 
living in that blessedness and that love and, and extending freely that blessedness to everybody around him and spreading sunshine everywhere he went. He just wanted to love people. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to invite them into something good for them. But Jesus didn't need to extract anything from anyone. So he was free to give and serve and love without expectation, the expectation of, of reward or acknowledgement. I always think about the conversation he had with the rich young ruler. You remember that? The guy comes and says, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, you know, keep the commandments, yada, 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 right? And he says, well, I've done all that. I've done all that stuff since I was a kid. And Jesus says, well, do this. There's one, one more thing. He said, go sell everything you have and give the money to poor and then come and follow me. And I always imagine the guy hung his head at that point because he had a lot of stuff. The Bible tells us he had a lot of stuff. And the truth is that he didn't have the stuff. The stuff had him. And he couldn't, get, he couldn't let go of it. And he hung his head and he turned and walked away. Now, Jesus had invited him into something good, something that was good for him. And the guy turned and walked away from that. Now, if that had been you or I, you know, if we were in Jesus' shoes and we just, you know, invited somebody to do something different and they turned and walked away and it was somebody we cared about, we would be chasing that guy down. We'd be yelling in his ear. We'd be, you know what you're doing? Like, you can't walk away from this. I mean, we would be, we would be hounding him to make a different choice. Because it's what we do. Jesus didn't do that. Let him walk away. Freely. Now, did that guy ever come back and turn around? I, I don't know. But the point is, that's the way Jesus handled all his relationships. And he did not regard himself as a failure because the other person didn't do what he wanted him to do. He was free. He was free from the need to extract his own sense of self-worth by, you know, whether he got everybody on board his agenda. He was just free, all right? Um, and Jesus wants the same for us. He wants us to be free, freedom to free to enjoy the blessings that come from conforming our lives to his and then to function as Christ-like blessings in the world, to, to love people, to invite them into something good, but to not carry our whole sense of self-worth in whether they do it or not, right? So let's let people make their own choices, even if they're not the ones that we would make. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to offer a, a kind of a, a little exception to this, okay? A slight little exception. And that's if you're a parent and you've got little kids, okay? Um, this doesn't completely apply if you're a parent and you've got little kids because it, it, it is your job as a parent. It is your job. I should talk a lot more about this. It is your job to train your kids in good decision-making and early on, it's your job to protect them. And sometimes that means overriding their bad decisions, right? Um, but as they grow... I heard somebody say, say to me one time when, when our son was, was small, your, your job as a parent 
is is slowly over the course of 18 years or so, you're gradually letting go of them. And that starts, you know, fairly young. Um, you, you, you give them some agency over their own lives. And you, and you let them make some mistakes, you know. And I, I'm, I'm afraid we've got a lot of parents now that are trying to prevent their kids from ever making mistakes. And I know, I won't tell you how I know, but I know that a lot of them are doing it even when their kids are, are 18, 19, 20, 25, 26, 28. Parents are still trying to make sure they're, you know, Helicopter parents is what we were calling them for a while. I don't know if we're still calling them that or not. But so so when your kids are young, like you have to do some of that, right? You have to protect them. If they're about to, you know, jump off a bridge, you, you pull them back. Like you don't get to make that choice. <laughs> You're not killing yourself today. But as they grow, you relinquish control of their lives just a little bit and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, so that when they reach adulthood, they know how to function, and they know the dangers of certain decisions because they've made them and they've seen them, you know, they've experienced some consequences. So that little principle applies to all of our relationships. Give people the freedom. Your, your friends, your, your spouse, give them the freedom to make their own choices, to believe what they want to believe to do what they want to do, even if it's not what you would choose, okay? That's hard with people that we love. It's hard. But it's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. Be be there for them when they don't make good decisions and they have to pay the consequences. Love them. Don't scold them, right? They're adults, Right? They, they already feel guilty when they've made a mistake. They don't, need, they don't need you heaping it on them. Right? Talk to them about what, what they learned from that. Right? And even with, like this is with your kids, but even with people that aren't your kids, give them the time to grow. Give them time to come to conclusions on their own. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul says everyone should be fully convicted in their own mind. Right? And, and you should follow your conscience, whatever that is. I, I have no right to ask you to follow my conscience. You have to follow your own. And Jesus will form your conscience over time. And we gotta, we got to give people the freedom to come to things in their own time. Right? To, to have buy-in to the things we want them to have buy-in to come to that their own in their own time and in their own way. Okay, so encourage, don't dictate. Inspire, don't demand. Love, don't coerce. Let people know that you love them, even if they hold views you don't hold or make choices you wouldn't make. Do not try to manipulate them or coerce them into being what you want them to be. You want better relationships? Learn to let go of people. And yes, Jesus wants to change us all to be more like him. None of us are, none of us are perfect as we are, right? He wants, to, he wants to transform us, okay? And that includes you, and that includes your friend or your spouse or your kids or whoever. But have you ever noticed how patient God is 
with you and how long it takes most of us to, to, to really change. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't scream at us. We imagine him screaming at us, which we need to get over. But he doesn't wag his finger at us when we, when we screw up, when we do things we're not supposed to. He lets us experience the consequences of all those things. I, I really believe in, in many ways, many, many ways, sin is its own consequence. If you sin, you're going to pay for it. Not because some big old meanie God is going to pound you, but because you're going to experience the consequences of that, and it ain't going to be pleasant, right? So I'm talking around this a lot, but give people the freedom to grow at their own pace. Love them while they're on that journey, even if it's taken longer than you think they ought to take. It ought to take, right? Just love them and be patient. So, three habits here. Give the people you love most the gift of your time and attention, maybe a bit more than you have been. Try to focus on building intimacy with the people you love. Share your heart and soul and emotions with each other. Try to, try to go deeper in your relationship. And then finally, learn what it means to live life without agenda, to live love without agenda. Love people and let go of your agenda for their life, right? Just love them. Don't try to fix them and give them the space and the freedom to grow. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, the Apostle Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one who causes the growth. Remember, your, your primary job in all your significant relationships, is just to plant and to water and to love and to bless and let God take it from there. So I pray that 2021, I pray that your relationships grow and flourish in 2021 in ways that they never have. I, pr I pray that you find uh, blessing and peace and comfort and safety in relationships that you've never known. I pray that you give those things to the people in your relationships in a way that they've never seen from you. You can do it. I pray you do. And I pray I do. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you go, blah, blah, blah. You know you know the drill by now. Um, please visit us uh, on our Facebook group. We've got a Facebook group, Facebook page, the Jesus Society Podcast. You can find both those there. Um, as as I mentioned, we've, we've added a Patreon page. There are blog posts up there. There are all the... All the um, podcast episodes will be linked there so you can you can it's kind of a one-stop shop if you want to support us there's a way for you to do that pretty pretty simply and pretty easily there thanks for listening and remember you are greatly loved